welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall, and I'm with my guys, Rowett and Todd, to talk about Hungary. And I don't even know how to I don't even know how to get into this. Yeah, let's should we just pour pour some out for Ferrari now? Yeah. Yep. I mean, (laughs) it's 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 just uh, we we can't I can't believe the consistency in the failure of Ferrari. So before we get into all that, what what do what's good, guys? How you guys doing? I wrote a love letter. My life is better than Mattia Bonato. I can say that right now. (laughs) which is a rarity because that man has probably multiple Ferraris in his garage. He probably lives in a nice Tuscan villa that smells of mahogany and cocaine. And yeah. (laughs) I wrote a love letter to Ferrari from everyone. Just dear Ferrari. What the hell? Sincerely, everyone. It's not, it's, it's not you. It's us because it's on us for having these absurd expectations after the first couple of races this season. Is it absurd? It's the pinnacle of motorsport. And like, I know I, I guess we're just launching into this. Should we do race order first? Yeah, let's just do that for formality's <laughs> sake. I'm going to try to show more passion than the Ferrari pit crew did today. All right, guys, with the first place, we have Max Verstappen. Second place, Lewis Hamilton, followed by his running mate, George Russell, in third. The first of the Ferraris, Carlos Sainz in fourth. Checo Perez, yet another off week, the boy ass. In fifth place, Charles Leclerc in sixth. Lando, Fernando, and Esteban in their customary seven, eight, and nine. Seb Vettel getting a positive bump by announcing his retirement this week in 10th. Lance Stroll, his replacement as the number one driver for Aston Martin in 11th. Pierre Gasly in an all-too-familiar 12th, Guan Yu Zhou in 13, Mick Schumacher in 14, Danny Rick, we had at least one race where you were competent, back to 15th, Kevin Magnussen in 16th, Alex Albon in 17th, Nicholas Latifi in 18th, Yuki Tsunoda, Japanese Cartman in 19th, and then our boy Terry had to ruin it and get the DNF. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was a yet another disappointment from Ferrari. Not only will they hit us with the primary disappointment, but that secondhand disappointment, which just hits a little bit harder once you uncover the layers. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, th- that's kind of interesting, though, because I-, I was watching the race thinking it- it's it's not like an exciting, like, I don't want to say it wasn't exciting because there was exciting moments in it, but it was kind of eh, like it just didn't feel exciting. And then there was a few things towards the end where it was like, okay, Lewis has got, you know, got a crazy pace on softs. Like, you know, then there's rain and it's like, okay, well, this is just not going to make it. We're going to hit 70. But the interesting part about that was like Botas going out at 60, I don't know, 67 or something, 65, 68. 67, 68. Like literally the very last couple of laps in the race. And the first thing I thought of is like, damn, that's crazy. I can't remember the last time we made it that far. But looking it up, this was interesting because there's a Reddit thread from last summer that says that that uh, last the Belgian Grand Prix of 2021 was the last time that uh, a Formula One raced without a DNF. And oddly enough, it was the second race of last season. The French Grand Prix was the other one. 
And then you go like 2019 in Austria, 2018 in China, 2016 in Japan, 2016 in China, 2015 in Japan, 2011 in Europe, 2005 in Italy, and then all the way back to 1961 for the Dutch Grand Prix, the first time that ever that there was ever a, a race without a DNF, which based on seeing that, it is kind of awesome to think how not only how these cars are just absolute machines, but they're absolutely insanely reliable most of the time too. With the exception of Ferrari. Now let's get into Ferrari. <laughs> how do we justify that great intro other than saying we're going to try to do what Ferrari couldn't do, which is have a competent segment. In this case, <laughs> our competent segment should last about 55 more minutes, which is more than what I can say about Ferrari. But if at any point I mess up, don't mind me, guys. I'll do a Matteo Benato walk of shame during the middle of this podcast if it gets that dire. But I don't know, Todd. I feel like you tend to be the angriest out of the three of us. How are you feeling about this? <laughs> I'm not angry. Like, okay, well, let me start by saying I used my Mega Drive on <laughs> Charles Leclerc this weekend. I was like, no way that Ferrari is going to fuck this up again, race after race. And Max was starting from 10th. So if there's ever a time to not pick Max to use the Mega Drive on, this is the one. This track is notoriously hard to pass on. Although, I will say a quick note, like this is just yet another testament for this rule set, this new era of Formula One cars yeah. that we have working because, man, did they like follow uh, so close to each other for so many laps, lap after lap, and everybody was having tire issues. So that was just kind of, the thing but it's just testament to to these rules still working and once people you know once the teams figure out the tires are a bit better and you know the right operating windows for their cars and things like that it's going to be awesome but it was kind of awesome that they didn't this weekend because we had a whole spread out grid we had it was like the first race in memory for a while that we had such a I, I know we had a lot of teams out of place, out of position, you know, based on their their pace. But we also had, you know, like I think in the top 10, it was like half of them on mediums and half of them on softs, which is really exciting. Like that's the stuff you want to see. So I'm really glad yeah. that that Q2 tire rule is gone. But uh yeah, I was like, no way, no chance they're going to screw this up again. Even with George and, man, what a lap in quality to put it on pole there. And I think if Hamilton didn't have the issues in qualifying, it could have been a Mercedes 1-2. And maybe this race would have worked out completely differently. Uh, but Ferrari's going to Ferrari. Like, there's there's so many things to talk about that Ferrari did wrong. The tire strategy, for one, uh, the ultra slow pit stops, the bad team management, like just the one thing that still sticking. But like besides all their other screw ups, they pitted Leclerc on. I want to say it was like lap 17 or 18 on the medium tire when the projected life of that tire is something like 34 laps. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking there? Like, they're Honestly, like, oh, 
Yeah, jump in, please. I want to no, hear. I'm just gonna say, I'll tell you what they are thinking. They want to hear that primal, visceral, no! <laughs> That's the only explanation. Because to your point, I am a novice. You two are novices as well. If we're using Ferrari's pit staff as our focal point of comparison. All three of us knew that that is not the move. And jokingly, I said this last year or last week to promote the podcast, free Carlos, free Charles. Like my guys need competent racing support staffs behind them because this is absurd. I'm literally watching an Italian economy collapse by how bad these two guys are. (laughs) It's not their fault. It's not their fault. I want to hug them like Robin Williams does to Matt, Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting and be like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. The amount of amount of drunk Italians out there tonight or tomorrow, I guess it is there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I hope this goes as comically as I hope it does. But to your point around the pit stops, they must have been drenched in marinara sauce because I can't understand how slow they were during that. Yeah. I, it's 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 impressive how across the board incompetent they were. Like every aspect of racing other than the drivers, you know, we it's funny, too, because like talking about like, you know, which is more important, the driver or the team? Well, God, like just for mental health sake, the team, like we don't want to see Charles and or Carlos, you know, ride off into the sunset straight from the track, which seems to be like a better option than actually following through with the races at this point with all of the headaches that they have. So I don't know. It uh, It's hard to say. And I think like, I think we all had that moment with Matteo walking away from the pit wall and like, wait, is he leaving? Is he like, has he hit his limit? Is this it? You know, like, You just don't expect it because he's always calm, cool, collected, like, you know, just on top of it. But then, like, it just. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that that was like just extra, like, what the hell is going on over there? Kind of. And I don't know what our theories are, what your guys' theories are, but I'd love to hear them. So he actually. At Leclerc's last win, what was that? Was that last week? Leclerc's last win. I'll I'll look it up. You guys keep clamping. Or is it two weeks ago now? I can't even it remember. Two weeks. It's all Leclerc's last win was the Austrian Grand Prix, which was true. Okay, so in Austria, because it was like a actually close, not close, close, but like close battle. Ferrari didn't Ferrari themselves. No, they did because Carlos didn't finish that race. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> we let's not, you know. Let's not right, sliver, sliver of credit, right? Excuse me. We're going to try to. I'm trying to pick out a positive damn. <laughs> but the point of that was that uh, Matteo Bonato left the pit wall and didn't watch like the last five, six laps because he was like too nervous. And I honestly thought that what was happening in this race because they had already screwed Leclerc's strategy but Carlos um, also like 
was under threat from I think he was in P3 at that point. He was under threat from Checo and George. Probably Lewis uh, at that time, right? It was no, Lewis, I think Lewis had already after the softs. Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure we'll get it from our listeners, but I thought Carlos for that last pit stop was in first place and Max was behind him. And then as soon as Carlos took that pit stop, it was Max's race. It was something like that, but I, I can't remember. But like, I thought because he was, you know, nerves again, watching uh, Carlos getting eaten alive out there. Um, it It was just... He was just walking it off. I I, I don't know. Like it, it was such a casual bathroom pit stop for Bonato. Like as it his was, race is just falling apart. It did he did he actually great stereotype about the Italians, which is they like to take their own time when they go on break. So I, that's how I interpreted <laughs> that. Did he actually say that he was too nervous for to watch, or was that- in the Austrian Grand Prix? He actually said that he left the pit wow. wall. That's crazy. No, but That's like, yeah. Not what you want to hear from your team boss. Right? I was going to say, why won't he use the same excuse we got last week, which was when we were all criticizing Ferrari's decision to radio Carlos when he was in the middle of the dogfight with Checo, and then we found out, okay, that actually wasn't it. It was, once again, atrocious television producing by the Formula One people. <laughs> That's the excuse I would have used. Just been like, no, guys, that was from earlier in the race. That was like lap 35. Yeah, yeah. F one TV direction. I'm just trying to tee you up so you get angry again. (laughs) I can't. I I mean, if you would have heard me at whatever seven o'clock this morning. Also, I (laughs) want to call out. I want to call out some people from the Discord because I we were on the call last night and I was like, "Hey, are we getting up to watch the race tomorrow?" And everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I'll be there." So Nick's won. I was Um, not on there. Uh, Travis, Trev, uh, no, Trev, actually, Greg, uh, I don't think Drew was on the call last night, but several of you, I made my pregnant wife get up at five 30 and move beds so I could set up in my office. And (laughs) I think Trev joined me like, I don't know, half, half distance into the race. I was like, all right, you know what? Watching from bed next time. Well, that, that, uh. Not that it's an excuse, and apologies to to your wife, but we, uh, Travis, Greg, myself, and Mario were on until like two something in the morning on the on the community call. So it was definitely one of those situations where I I fully intended to get up, but by the time I actually woke up, it was like you know forty five minutes left in the race, and I wasn't really fully paying attention. So. I didn't want to I didn't want to hop in and and uh, and then just have to have you re-explain things as, you know, Ferrari fell apart. So but on the note of of poor Formula One coverage, broadcasting, et cetera, et cetera, production. uh, Is it just me or was the the Max Verstappen spin completely missed a, a missed opportunity? Like it was shown after the fact, right? And fairly close to it, but it felt like he was like that, that change, like Charles was behind him fairly close. Everybody was pretty much bunched up at that moment. He spins, Charles passes him, but he maintains and, and rolls, continues on in second. 
but you don't see it like to your point in most of this coverage. Why are we not watching like the top four cars when they're all within they're all within DRS of each other. We should not be looking at other piece, other things on the track anywhere at that moment. And I, 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 I don't know. Like I just, that was my one, what the fuck is going on today? What the fuck is going on in F1 broadcasting today? Whatever <laughs> moment. So, this is, I guess this is my segue that moment, right? <laughs> So Max spins. It wasn't live because they were showing like Seb and Stroll battle, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, and then so they showed on the replay, which is a good idea initially. But actually, uh, Leclerc and Checo got past Max because of that spin. He lost two positions. And by the time they had stopped showing the replay, Max was already back in DRS on Leclerc. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a testament to two things. Fuck F on TV direction and holy <laughs> God, Max is fast. I mean, it, it was, was impressive that he held that that together, right? Like you don't often see these guys spin these cars and keep control and hardly lose any pace whatsoever. Yeah. And then the other one while we're on the F1 TV direction thing after the race. So Max wins, right? He wins by like eight or ten seconds. Uh, I think. Science was coming back at uh uh Russell at George. Russell. Yeah, yeah, George in P3. And he was like, I don't know, three or four seconds back, but it was like closer. But no, they decided to show Max's cooldown lap for like 35 seconds. So we didn't even see the finish. Like it they, I think the first person they switched to after the Max was Perez crossing. Or finishing his lap. So we had four people cross the line before they decided to stop show Max showing Max's cooldown. Other than that, it was kind of okay. I don't know. I, I'm trying to find positives because all I do is bitch about this every week. Yeah, I mean, I think we literally watched a media organization come to the realization that, hey, we've picked up probably the biggest amount of new fans we've ever got as a sport after one of the most dramatic seasons we've had as a sport. And for this to be the hangover season, it's a bitch because this in a way tells us who's really here for the racing and who's like, you know what, I'll just watch Drive to Survive and pretend I'm a Formula One fan because it is atrocious to watch because to our point, Max did his homage to Seb Vettel's 360 spin earlier this year, except for the fact that he still got into points and made it look like a badass. He's achieving that final form, that S-tier form, where it truly doesn't matter what happens, and it's now starting to look like Lewis Hamilton races in his pomp and circumstance, because start that man at 20th, and I guarantee you he's going to get a podium regardless what the ta- track is. And it's a combination of racing know-how. It's a combination of the fact that their car is not only fast, but listen up, Ferrari, reliable, which is saying something considering where we were at the start of the year, where we thought Ferraris were the reliable ones. And what's going on with Red Bull? Are they already celebrating a little too much with their first driver championship? But it's not going to get any better at this point. And I'm kind of glad that the summer break is situated the way it is because I kind of need to talk myself into this season and like trying to figure out what else can we cling on to because this does seem like a foregone conclusion. This is where I congratulate Max on his 
2022 and 2023 and 2024 drivers championships like think think about this like so this track didn't suit the red bull car max started 10th he had clutch issues and uh like gearbox issue during the race then he spun and he won by 10 seconds that's like mind-blowing like i don't yeah want to give max's flowers too much but it's that's like he's untouchable at this like obviously we know this season was pretty much a foregone conclusion but like the if unless red bull takes a large step back they're i don't know three four tenths faster on most tracks like on race pace it seems like than everyone else I know Ferrari or not Ferrari. Mercedes seems to come alive in the race a lot, but they're still. I mean, George Russell was saying post race like two tenths, three tenths maybe on race pace, and he finished. And Lando was saying uh, they were like congratulating Lando on a good race, and he was sixty two seconds back of the next car in front of him, and then which was Sergio Perez and he was 15 seconds back of his teammate in the same car. That's crazy. That's the thing I was going to ask you guys. Like, are we completely missing the brilliance that is Max Verstappen evolving into his final form because of the fact that Ferrari just makes it easy to talk about the lulls? Like if Ferrari was, let's say halfway competent this year, would we be more talking about Max Verstappen in these Hush shows other than the fact that, Hey man, Let's see how Ferrari is going to bungle this race up. And we're missing the brilliance that is this dude driving through adversity, driving to survive, literally. Because at this point, it just seems like he's not interested unless he gets first place. And I could see him almost being like, why even bother at this point? Like the biggest thing I worry about if I'm a Red Bull guy, hi Aaron, is complacency. But even then, he doesn't have to be complacent if Ferrari keeps fucking this up the way that they do. Yeah, I mean, he's... There's... You know, there's almost zero chance. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Chance, like the level of of, you know, you're you're winning millions if if you go bet against Max and some shit happens and he doesn't win. Like it just is not. You know, he's too good. The car is great. Like even with even if Ferrari is out of the picture completely, if we just take our our loving disdain for Ferrari's failures out of the picture. And we just think about Mercedes behind them. Like the pace is just not there for Lewis or George, even though, you know, there's like little bits of brilliance there with Mercedes lately, you know, George, George's qualifying obviously was ridiculously impressive. I think no one expected that at all because it was like, okay, here we go again. Ferrari one, two, like, let's see how they mess this up. And then it was like, wait, wait, George. Like, and of course, like if Lewis is, you know, if Lewis is not having issues with DRS or what, I think that was DRS, right? That, that on his qualifying. Yeah, Lewis had, he, on his last lap, he couldn't open his DRS flap on qualifying. Yeah. So like if he doesn't have issues, maybe he's up there and maybe it's a one, two, you know, uh, for Mercedes on, on qualifying, but even so, like, it's just, I mean, Red Bull is just dialed in 
to like the highest levels right now. And I just do not see any way that, that they fall off. And Max himself is like, I don't know. I, I was just, I was just actually listening to, uh, uh, Kevin Durant and, uh, on the, um, boardroom on the David Letterman, uh, like Netflix special where he's interviewing people, my next guest or whatever. And, and at some point in the interview, Kevin Durant talks about, uh, actually, um, Letterman asked him, uh, if he meditates and Katie's like, yeah, you know, uh, like, but I also don't think that meditation is, is being in a black room with, a you know, with no sound and with my eyes closed. I think that sometimes meditation for me is when I'm in the zone on the court, I'm at that, that higher level state. And I would just think like, that's pretty much where Max is at right now. Right. Like there is just no reason for him to like, even consider what else is going on. Cause he just, he's just in the zone as the basketball, you know, players would call it. And I don't think that there's any way that, you know, like there's just no way that they're going to mess that up. It would just be a tremendous, tremendous screw up if, if they did. And I don't think that he would allow that, uh, you know, he just seems to be too on top of everything personally, you know, with the driving that he could, he could still manage to squeeze out like a championship this season, even if the team fell to shit. So that's just my opinion though. He could literally get out, change his own tires, get back <laughs> in the car and still win the driver's championship. <laughs> now that would be impressive. No, there's that concept of magic number right in baseball where like they have to hit a certain threshold and then it doesn't matter what they do. I'm really trying to understand what his magic number is from a driving perspective because it's looking effortless. And I, like Todd, have conceded the driver's championship to Max. I don't know about 2024 yet, but give it time. I'm sure I'll come to that startling and depressing realization in the middle of the night and I'll just yell Verstappen. But... Do we also think, because now I'm going to zag when I think everybody's zigging, which is I think all of us are anticipating Mercedes overtaking Ferrari at some point. The only reason why I don't know if they can do that is how big of a lead they had accumulated at the start of this year. And they did the one thing right now that Mercedes can't seemingly do, which is win races. So I will zag and I will say, you know what? Ferrari keeps second place somehow in spite of themselves. How do they do that? If every other race somebody's dnfing or they're botching the pits or they're pitting at the wrong times or they're using the wrong tire i know like this is recency bias that mercedes has been on a good run but they've also upgraded their car they're closer in in pace and this track isn't necessarily supposed to suit them and they still wipe the floor with ferrari day like if even if ferrari didn't bottle the strategy i still think it would have been uh, obviously Verstappen class of his own, but I still think it would have been a close race between the Mercs and the Ferraris, and the Ferrari or the Mercs would have come out on top. No, I'm completely grasping straws. You're absolutely right, Todd. It's not even a question of recency bias. Your eyes are seeing what you're seeing, which is one team is streets ahead of another in terms of just overall competency but at this point i don't know what else to say because they have they in this case ferrari have shown that they are fantastically bad they are literally finding new ways to lose every single race and at this point i'm just going with the thought that eventually the luck has to turn and sometimes the luck turning is just them 
having both uh, race cars in in around fifth place, let's say, which is something that they did today. But as long as they continue to do this, I think they'll be fine just because of the fact that they are still accumulating points. And much like there's a magic number that we've given Max, I think Ferrari's got a similar magic number. And this was a segue in a sense to a question I had to ask Nick. And I think we discussed this previously, Todd, but what do you think is more likely Max winning every single race from here on out or will Lewis win one? I I think Lewis wins gets his win. He continues his streak, his record. I think uh, there was, again, rumor mill in the paddock that that uh, Merck thinks they're going to be strong in Spa. Obviously, they're not going to be Red Bull strong, but all we need is uh, Max to have a bad day, uh, a power failure or a bad pit. Not that Red Bulls have had much bad luck or lately this season or ever, really. They're always pretty solid in the pits and the strategy, but we just need, you know, Terry to just lick the stamp and send it into a corner on a wet track and take out five <laughs> or six drivers. Uh, and, and then, you know, Lewis runs away with it. We saw that actually last year in Hungary, right? Terry bowling balled his way through the front of the fields and, and Hamilton would have won that race if it wasn't for Alonzo's to fit in like a lion. So I, I think he continues his strategy or his streak and gets at least one win this year. They've been close. And I don't think it's not them like lucking into it, right? This last four or five races, they've outscored Ferrari. I don't know what the exact number is, but by more than like 100% or whatever, yeah. 200% of their points. And they're only 30 behind now. So their pace is obviously improving. So, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Lewis definitely is going to get a win. Um, I think that, you know, we've got... I think you said there's nine races left after the break. You know, if, if Merck is, if they're gaining, you know, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not hundred percent on this, these numbers, but like they're gaining roughly 10 to 15 points per race currently. Right. So Ferrari would have to like actually really show up and perform and potentially beat both Mercedes and Red Bull like at least two or three times before the season is over for them to not lose to Mercedes because Mercedes at this point, I think they've kind of figured out the consistencies. They haven't had any issues, you know, like Todd said earlier in the season, right? Like there was a lot of, a lot of luck that landed them even close to the top, right? With, with power failures from Ferrari power failures from Red Bull and now it's it's not even about that, right? Like George George on pole is like, I think that's something to be talked about. You know, I think that that's that says a lot about where Mercedes is at. I don't think they're gonna you know win the title by any means, but like they're definitely, you know, they're they're moving at a at a faster pace than than Ferrari is. So unless Ferrari makes some changes, I don't see how they maintain second place in the constructors. Or, or even in, you know, like the drivers, right? Like driver wise, you're, you're talking about, you know, essentially, I think George, I think George is a still a little ahead of Lewis, but like both of them are within, you know, th three or four races like today of being, you know, in third place in the, in the construct or in the driver's standings. So 
it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I, I just, I think Mercedes is, you know, they're going to have, they have a better energy about the team right now than, than Ferrari, right? Like Ferrari is definitely in a very, you know, tough spot for everyone because it's like, no matter what the inconsistency shows up, even when it's not, if it's, if it's not the team, if it's not the pits, if it's not blah, 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 blah. It's like even Charles, Charles, like took ownership of the, of last race, you know, and, and his mistake. So you just don't, you don't expect that from the top tiered teams. And it's super rare that you see that from Max or Lewis or Checo and George is known for being consistent. So I just, I think, unfortunately, I just don't think Ferrari's going to be, I think they're going to have to do something drastic to, to change probably after the season. And I don't see them doing it before them, but like they definitely need some, some better strategy better strategic minds in that, in that group to make sure that they don't end up doing this again next season. True. Now I will say this, I was kind of looking at our spreadsheet and leading up to, or going through rather the Hungarian Grand Prix, Ferrari has won four races and they've had one, two, three, four and seven DNFs and compare and contrast that with Mercedes where I don't think they've won a single race this year, but their DNFs are, I don't think Lewis has a single DNF this year and George just has the one. So it might be a boom or bust play. So just something to consider. I don't know if I'm going to go hot takey yet. And you know what? I'll go with the hot take and I'll say Ferrari will somehow maintain second place. But yeah, I'm not necessarily feeding much confidence into that proclamation, but sometimes you just need to have a little bit of faith. So who do they replace Bonato with during the summer break to make that happen? So can I ask, like, how common are mid-season firings? Because, I mean, we're all coming from an American sports background where that's nothing. That's nothing to bat an eyelid. But, like, just the half-assed internet research that I've done, that seems to be a real drastic step that isn't necessarily taken Formula One by saying. They tend to do their house cleaning at the start or the end of the season. I I can't remember the last, like, real big shakeup mid-season for – especially for outside of drivers, right? Drivers – Drivers can screw up and there's somebody waiting in the wings at all times. It's pretty hard to find people that know Formula One enough to step into a top three team and actually, you know, make something of it. Right. And and I forget the guy that runs Williams now, but like he's a great example of like this is a difficult, you know, it's not easy to be in that position. Right. I don't think I don't think Bonato is out. Uh, I think that they will probably shake up other people within the engineering team and within the, you know, the pit crew and all of that. I think, th- I think they'll make drastic changes within the organ, within the, the team just to kind of like, you know, show that they're trying to take steps. Right. Cause at this point they need to do that to keep Charles and Carlos wanting to drive for Ferrari. Right. Like, you know, not that there's room at any other at any other teams, but, you know, Lewis could easily retire within the next couple of years. And if you're a, if you're one of the best drivers, why wouldn't you want to race with Mercedes, you know, and George as as, uh, you know, they're just a great team. And the same thing with like we've talked about Checo kind of being in that spot of like, he's great, but like, you know, he's he's only going to be allowed to like kind of follow team orders. So like, does he move to someplace the same way that 
you know, Valtteri Botas went to Alfa Romeo so he could have a little bit more, you know, freedom and, and, you know, win on his own terms. Yeah. You know, I think it's an interesting thing, but I don't know. I would say this, this is completely speculation. I'm literally speaking this into the ether. If I'm Ferrari CEO, an unnamed Italian person, I write Otmar Snaffauer. I butchered his name. He's the new Guan Yu Zhou for me. A blank check and just say, bring us to competency. Take whoever you need from Alpine. Because at this point, they just need that boring consistency. Because there's one thing Ferrari is right now. It's excitingly inept. And I think one man can nullify that characteristic and that's Otmar. But that's not how these things work. But that is the boring, uninspired hire I need to get them back on credibility. And to your other point, Nick, if tomorrow we decide that neither Charles nor Carlos are wanting anything to do with that red prancing horse, every single team needs to contemplate what's going to happen with their driver lineup. Because this is, to me, a KD sense trade where it's like if KD is on the open market, you exhaust every trading option you have because that guy is that good. And as much as I'm not that necessarily big of a Charles Leclerc fan, he's a top five driver. Carlos Sainz is a top five driver. There are only two spots that are untouchable in Formula One right now to me. Maybe three if you want to call it Lando, but Lewis is more a, I would say a ceremonial sacred cow. I think if they were being honest with themselves, he should be disposable. And I would love to see either one of those guys take that spot. But I, once again, I'm going hot take you. Todd, save me from myself. I beg you. <laughs> yeah, you really went, went off there. That's uh, Lewis's sacrificial cow is, is something I don't know if I can <laughs> let go easily. He's the statistical and if goat. any listener has an issue with that, you can find me on Twitter at Keith DeSneak. <laughs> that's right i'm just gonna go after people that have no bearing in formula one now but anyway, yes, I, I, I like go that. Ahead uh back to your original question i don't i can't say it's never happened but i can't remember in my last long time of watching of a team principal getting let go yeah. uh mid-season drivers has happened several times but uh as nick, nick said it's to find somebody that's competent enough engineering wise or whatever to work in formula one, it's even that much harder to find somebody that can run an entire team. And I don't know if this is Bonato's character, if it's, you know, his fault necessarily, but like in formula one shit rolls uphill, right? It's just the way it is. Um, And there's, I, I, I just, I can't see any type of scenario unless there's some Mercedes upgrade and they all their porpoising comes back and it takes them four or five races to figure it out. And then Ferrari kind of gets their shit together in that time where, or even like Nick said, like if it is a weekend where Ferrari for Red Bull does have that bad day and then Ferrari actually has their ducks in a row for once. And that's the, the only thing really that could prevent the Mercedes winning or Hamilton specifically. But um, I, I was looking at the, uh, someone posted this earlier in the discord, but it was everyone's uh, components and where they are on penalties. 
and both Ferraris are already in penalties. Um, neither Red Bulls are yet. Uh, Charles Leclerc, in- interestingly enough, already has has has. They're allowed eight exhausts over the season, and Charles Leclerc is already on eight, which is pretty crazy because the next highest oh. number is five for Fernando Alonso, and he's like blown his car up a few times. So. I don't understand what's happened there, but uh, people in the penalties already are both Ferraris, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> I don't think this is uh, a troll, but Juki Kanoda, which is the funniest thing I've ever read. And now I'm going to call him Juki from now on. <laughs> uh, That's that Japanese pronunciation where the Y takes a soft J sound, right? <laughs> <laughs> it could, could be yogging. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's yogging. <laughs> uh, I like to practice yoga. <laughs> yeah, uh, ter- Terry uh, is in the penalties, and then K Mag, and then there's Lando, Esteban, uh, Pierre, Guan Yu, and Mick are all at three, so they're all going to be in the penalties. So, like, it's it's just literally bound to happen that. Uh, they're going to get into the penalties. I mean, probably everybody is at this point, but there's just with nine races to go, Mercedes holding fast like they always do. It's it's almost inevitable that they you know they have that their two biggest rivals have a bad day or are starting from the back of the grid, and Mercedes has their stuff together like normal. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting to think about to your question about like potential changes mid-season or even after the season, right? Like uh, Ferrari is they they're typically they typically stick with their team principal director. You know, I can't think of like longer than they should. Yeah, I think I think like it's like a 4 to 5 year run typically for all of them, right? And like they also like Otmar is really actually an interesting kind of character that would be, I mean, I would love to see it, but it would just never happen. But Ferrari also, I don't think they've had a non-Italian team principal since, uh, what's his name? What's, what's the guy that, that just stepped down from running the FIA as president? Uh, Domenico. No, Dominicali is is like previous. Who was previous to Dominicali as far as the? Oh, Jean Todd. Jean Todd. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's funny that you bring that up because that's again, the last rumor- non-Italian, right? Well, last non-Italian, but also rumor mill that he might be now that he's not FIA president anymore, kind of itching to get back into Formula One and uh, Ferrari shooting his head. I mean, like Jean Todd had a bunch of success in the Schumacher years. That could be really I could, interesting. I don't think it. I don't think it would happen. I agree with you that that Ferrari sticks with their their guys, or sticks to their guns. There's whatever. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But if you have somebody that's already won you like the last time you won titles, it's pretty in, like a attractive prospect. I also like the prospect of Ferrari shitting on prior legacies as opposed to ruining new ones as they form with Mattia Bonato. <laughs> They're going to Amber Heard everywhere. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought I was going to be the one that got us canceled this week. Oh, man. Well, Nick, so, save us. 
<laughs> we, we, we probably have a few other things to talk about in this race. Is there any other things, drivers, teams that we should, we should mention before we get into the, uh, the fantasy stuff? Well, speaking of shitting the bed, Danny Rick did. Uh, but that's where I was going, but I didn't want to throw it at you that hard. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I do want to give him a little bit of credit because definitely pass of the weekend was DR getting both Alpines into turn three, which was yes. our turn to turn two, whatever. That was so sick. I was like, oh my God, like screaming in my office at <laughs> five in the morning or six in the morning, whatever. But I, I want to continue on the constructors theme real quick because I want to get you guys' thoughts. We have seen, and we've talked about this, we probably talked about it every podcast, but the the rough shape that Alpha Tower is in and the new kind of found form that uh, the team copycat Aston Martin is in with their armchair rear wing. And that's, I know that's not a, uh, going to be an every track benefit. That was just a super high downforce track, but they are seven points behind Alpha Tauri in the constructors. And we know that wow. when it comes to those teams getting points, it's always, they're getting like P10, P9. We, I think Seb, got a p10 this weekend and last weekend um and stroll looked stroll was all all like he was tearing through the field today uh had a great start they look a little bit more on form since they copied the red bull side pods you think even with nine races to go they can get those seven points because i mean i think it would be amazing it would be amazing to see Seb get a little, like, just a nice little run-in to finish his career, right? I don't expect him to win a race or even podium, but it would be cool to see him get, like, some some quality points in, some just, like, quality finishes in. Because I think that's, that that's, like, the best for the sport, too. And probably the fan base is going to be behind that more than they are. I mean, we all love... Pierre and and Yuki, but Seb Seb leaving the sport is is like bigger in my mind than anything that's so it's it's honestly bigger than Max's championship at this point because we know Max is going to win probably more than Lewis and and Michael and you know he'll probably have ten championships by the time he retires. But there's a hot I take for you won't. to follow up on ten years from now. I was just going to say this. I definitely want a one more season chant for Seb. And if that's because he gets a sixth place in, let's say, Monza, or he does a cool Jedi mind trick that we don't even know is possible in a Formula One car and makes it apparent that he truly is the beating heart of this organization. Because as Formula One has evolved with these new technical standards, it seems like they've adopted a little bit more of a conscious. And I think... As much as I think that is Lewis's legacy, it also seems to be Seb's legacy as well. So, yeah, I'm with Nick. Get that man all his moments. Get that man all his flowers. Because he just seemingly has done the unthinkable, which is put this spot, uh, put this sport in a spot better than how he found it. And inevitably, when we do our testimonial slash uh, retrospective of Seb this year, and I get to learn more about what he was like as a promising young upspart, it is going to reaffirm that belief that 
this guy really was special. And I think you kind of lose sight of that because of the Lewis Hamilton dominance, as well as what Max is about to do with winning 22, 23, 24. And I think 25 is what Todd gave him. So, yeah. That being said, I still maintain that AlphaTauri is the worst car on the grid. I've said that all along. I've had people scoff at me, but it is what it is. I think if you put Latifi in that car, it's no worse than what Yuki's giving it. But if you put Yuki in the Williams, I think you get more points. So that might have been the hottest take you've ever said. They're 24 points behind AlphaTauri, Williams is currently. Um, the, I'm using the baseline entire- of Pierre Gasly being a top six driver the last couple of seasons. And that's more a damning indictment on the fact that that car does not allow that man to continue his trajectory. Like if we were just utilizing this one season as a snapshot of whether that man deserves to move on to a higher team, you can't say that he does. That's a great argument. Yeah. He is consistent and he is like we talked about Mr. Top Six. But and to res- one last point, he he is so happy right now that Danny Ricardo has had the season that he has because we've all forgotten about Pierre. Because if Danny Rick has a competent season, we're having the same conversations about Daniel Rick about Pierre Gasly this year. The reason it, Danny Rick's performance is more jarring now is because we see Lando qualify in P4, get a podium in Monza. Uh or wherever he got. Yeah, I think it was Monza. Um, like, that's why it's more jarring, right? If Yuki was up in the top 10 every every time, we'd be having the same conversation. And we've seen... Actually, I think it was a couple of pods ago, we were talking about where the hell is Pierre because Yuki's all of a sudden... I think he came on P8 a couple races ago. And Pierre was... I know he had some bad luck, but P14, some 15, something like that. But... I will buy you a car. You're, I will buy you an F1 car if <laughs> Williams beats AlphaTauri in the championship somehow this year. Oh, no. That's not going to happen. I mean, I think it's a real driving one, but I'm going to buy you yeah, like I, a replica listen, one. I, if, if the unthinkable happens, believe me, there is a lot more things that have gone to shit than Williams overtaking AlphaTauri. I just think given the high expectations we have, that car is – the worst car because what were the expectations for Williams coming into this season? Yeah, not much. What are the expectations of AlphaTauri coming into this season? I'm not saying they're competing with the top three, but fourth place looked a feasible solution. Yeah. Okay, you're right. You win. You win the argument. No, no, please don't give my ego that. Please don't. No, no, good- but that is a good point though because if you think about like AlphaTauri, we we obviously connect them to Red Bull in our minds anyway, right? And Red Bull's been so dominant. And we would expect that power units being the same, engineers being capable, they could put a car together that is not Red Bull level. They obviously are not, like, they're probably not even getting the budget for that. But, like, Pink they Bull. should be... Like, it's a shade of red. Yeah, they should They should be, like, they should be in the conversation for... for third, fourth, fifth, pretty regularly, just without even the context of which drivers are where and all of the other teams, right? Just based on their base 
starting point. So I, I do, I do. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. I mean, it's, it's tough to say because like, I mean, I had no, uh, you know, no expectations for Williams at all. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Alex Albon returning to F1 hasn't turned out better. Cause I seem, I, I think he seems like a, a really interesting person on the grid and in the pits and paddock. And, you know, even last season when he was, you know, hopping on to have conversations with Will Buxton and stuff after the races, I think that he understands the sport maybe better than a lot of other drivers that are out there. And he's obviously had, you know, glimpses of greatness throughout the last few seasons, but it's it's got to be tough to, like, be in a car like that where, or on a team where you're just, you're not making any progress at all. The only way that Williams overtakes AlphaTauri is if Alex Albon's mom becomes AlphaTauri's accountant. Allegedly. <laughs> and if you, if you don't Allegedly. get that joke, Allegedly. then look it up. Jeez, we don't want an episode <laughs> next week, do we guys? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going in. I'm going in. I'm tired. I've been up since five. Uh, that you, you like I said, you definitely convinced me with that argument because of the expectations. I think Nick just also co-signed that. It's uh, they we we expected them at the start of the season to be fighting McLaren and Alpine for P four, right? And now we're talking about them getting P nine. So there it is. You know who also will be getting P nine. Me in our fantasy league. Oh no. Oh no. I actually I'm I think I'm I think I'm actually like twelfth or thirteenth. The speeding burritos I still are think struggling you're ahead right of me, now. Nick. <laughs> and we have our annual Todd going on mute for the episode. Oh my god. <laughs> He's been up till five. If you guys have any fights with me about that, you can find me at MadWatcher789 on Twitter and Instagram. I hope that you just learn everyone's everyone's online handles so you can start calling everybody out. And so it somehow it actually, you know what? If you're listening to this, you should definitely leave a comment on any account that Rowett mentions. Because some people that we call out are in our community, Discord, all that stuff, but they probably don't listen to the episodes. So it'd be even funnier when they get a comment about some Formula One race thing that they don't know about. <laughs> like I said, I'm the gift that keeps on giving. I am in the Nick Hangval cinematic universe, and I'm going to make it hell for everybody else in said cinematic universe if it needs to be. But you know what's not hell? Todd Yates' his fantasy performance. Todd, Todd, break it down for us. How are we doing in our plethora of leagues? All right. Let's get it started. Um, in the league that shall not be named. Uh, let's see. In P2, in the standings, and P3 in the points this week, we have Julie Wood. So, oh, Julie I'm Wood. sorry. I apologize. Nick, you are uh, having a now that you're setting your lineup. You are having a, a heck of a, a season. So let me correct myself already. Um, P three for the week was A A Ron. Uh, P two for the week was Mister Nick Ingball, 
and wow. uh, somehow I am just stumbling my way through this this fantasy league, and I was P one again. So uh, overall standings for this league is uh, I'm still in first. Uh, Julie Wood is P two, and AA Ron is P three. Um, Nick, it's just, just just keep setting your lineup. Yeah. Pal. You're going to be never be underestimate the, the power. Never underestimate the power of actually setting your lineup in fantasy. Half the battle showing up. All right, <laughs> the official F1 Discord fantasy league um, for the Hungary race results. I'm going to curse Charles's name again because I used my Mega Drive on him. As did shout out Iron Trev. Uh, the probably. 1A, 1B to the max stands that we have. A max stand used their Mega Drive on Charles Leclerc this week. I just want to call that out. I mean, uh, if so, I had the Mega Drive, I would have too. Like, I, I I was all in on Ferrari this week going into the weekend until George. Yeah. Thank it's you for understandable at least choice. making me feel a little bit better about that. Um, so, I... <laughs> I was number one in the league this week with my Mega Drive with 163 points. Mario, Mario Restores, at Mario Restores, makes dope customs on Instagram. Check him out. Uh, Was in P2 with 160 points. I only got three more points than someone that didn't use a Mega Drive. That's crushing. Um, In P3, uh, the Trap Pete slowly climbing up the game and playing the money game tight and somehow manages to have Leclerc, Sainz, Max, and Ferrari is its constructor. Who are the, his remaining two drivers? Like, uh, let's is check it, it out. Nikita Mazepin, who's cost zero, and <laughs> no, Nico. he's got he's got a, a, a Terry, which is a good like mid midfield pick, oh, yeah. and Terry's Mick, good. which is like a good un- undervalued pick, right? Let me on on certain weekends, but he has somehow played the money game to afford all of those. Um, so that was the one, two, three for the week. Uh, let's see. Team one, you're currently in peace. Are you P seven for the week? And the speeding burritos currently in P 15. Hey, just one good pit stop away from being in the top, top 10. All right. Uh, for the season, let's see. Uh, all Haas, no breaks. Aaron is still, in a commanding lead uh, for the season. I am currently tied uh, with Alpha Ash Ari for P2 on 2394, exactly the same points. And then, uh, as I mentioned before, Trav Pete with uh, the mega team is only three points behind us. So it's getting getting down to the wire there. Uh, Team one, you're currently P8 for the season. And uh, Nick... P13. That's what it's. A couple of good driver swaps. You're good. Um, all right. And the most important league. Uh, who had a rough week this week? It was pretty close. Everybody was it bunched was up actually, night. Yeah. Even with the DNFs or the one yeah. DNF, it was uh, pretty close. So right, P4 right. for the week. P4 for the week was Nick with 47 points. Uh, P3 was Roe with 49 points. P2, uh, 
for the week uh, was A.A. Ron with 52 points, and I was somehow P1 again, thanks to the Mercedes. Now, I just feel bad for Nick. Nick has so many first places in that particular league, but he's, I think, stuck in third because I don't know what. I don't want to say it's Danny Rick, but it's probably Danny Rick. I mean, I think that's what makes that league the best league. Oh, you're too And if you guys want to play that league for future seasons or hell, even the back half, you can contact me at Mario Restores. See, this is what I've realized we're going to do. Other people, whenever they have a podcast, they like to get Patreon members and they like to get benefits like special time with us, curated playlists, whatever you want. I'm going to harass our Patreon members. So sorry, not sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, what do you guys expect over the next few weeks as we go into this long break? Us saying wild stuff, doing a Seb retrospective, and trying to create filler for the summer break. I have faith in our filibustering and improvisational skills. Like, I think that's where we shine, whereas other podcasts may not shine. And unlike other podcasts, we're not taking weeks off. We're going and going. Unless Todd has his kid, then it might just be me and Nick. And then it could turn into a very awkward other sort of podcast. Yeah, the In baby case, we'll come have to get Aaron better time. Oh, that's true. That we, could get true. Aaron, yeah. we could get yeah. Trev. We've got we a deep Aaron I also Trev, did yeah. get, yeah, uh, the Trev, uh, the Trav Pete. I got him lined up for kind of late August, potentially as a fill-in. Because I knew that I was going to be nice. potentially out a couple nice. weeks, so. All right. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. It gives us a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a fun challenge in like doing episodes that aren't just based off of the race too. Like I think it's, it keeps it keeps us on our toes and it keeps it entertaining for the listeners. Hopefully. So it's our 10,000 hours theory. We're just getting some of our hours when nobody else is. Yep, exactly. All right, guys, we'll let it, let everybody know how they can find you outside of the show. I'm uh, TEZF1 on Twitter and TEZ on Instagram. At RoadM13 on Instagram, at Rohizi on Twitter, Sneaker History, Exhaust Notes. You know where it is, Nick. Finish it off. Yep. Uh, at Nick Engvall on all platforms, at Sneaker History. Uh, link in the description to join the Discord. We got a bunch of cool stuff and uh, some amazing people in there every day during the week between races. And if you're into sneakers or hats or snacks we've got a cool snack uh snack exchange going on right now just it's just fun community to be a part of but anyway we appreciate y'all rocking with us and listening and we'll catch you on the next episode peace free carlos Mm -hmm.